Good morning. Uh, this is Kelly McGee, and today's day is October 22nd. 23rd? 24th, I'm sorry. I missed a couple of days. So it's the 24th today, and um, I had a very interesting podcast that I wanted to share with you. And hold on a second. Okay, and it's called Exposing the Nephilim. So let's see if there's anything else we can get. Any other tidbits of information about them. just off the bat we we are in a war right now in the spirit for this country of america and in the world because everything that we do here as a christian on the earth it affects the whole body of christ so it doesn't matter what color skin you have or what language you speak or where you live geographically on the earth if you are in the body of christ it doesn't matter your location because you we're all one in the spirit and so the biggest deal with the apostle paul was is that we stay in unity and and that is what the fivefold ministry of the church is supposed to be doing according to if you want to bring the bible into it ephesians chapter 4 talks about how the fivefold is supposed to build up the body into unity of faith into the maturity uh, and so the saints are all being built up by the fivefold ministry of the church so if we're not building up then we're either just maintaining or we're tearing down and so because of that, I have to say to you that up. this country that we live in America is being divided up when we are, are uh, according to the no, preamble, we're one, we're you know, one nation under God. And that means that, that there is no color difference. There is no uh, any of these divisions that we have. And, you know, so I have to tell you this, that that what happened at the day of Pentecost was the Spirit of God came and he created unity because we all were of one spirit on that day when the Holy Spirit came. It was poured out and they spoke by the spirit, but they were speaking in different languages. But those who were not believers at the time that heard these people speaking, they heard their own language being spoken there in Jerusalem, which was really profound because all the Jewish people had to come from all over the world and report. And, um, you know, I'm told by Robert that this is like three times a year that they had to report. Right. And so even Jesus made that that, that uh, trip from Capernaum. I mean, it was, I think, two and a half weeks of walking. I don't remember exactly how that, how that all came to pass, but I remember on the tour that I was told that, that it was a long way that they had to walk. Uh, or, or ride a donkey or whatever, but they had to report to Jerusalem. So there are people from all over, and they heard uh, these people in the upper room praising, singing, and, and worshiping God in, in, in languages that were known languages to the people around. But it was supernatural because the, they knew these people were not uh, from their country. So because of that unity that happened on that day, the Lord had put on my heart that he had reversed what had happened at Babel. See, at Babel, they had unity, but they were wicked. 
right? They were they were bent on evil, and God said, if we don't go down and confuse them and stop them, anything that they imagine, they will be able to accomplish. Well, what would make God come down and have to do that? It was the unity that was bent on doing wrong things. Okay, so now today, Christians have the Bible. Uh, they, we have more revelation, more teachers, more everything that we've ever had before. However, Satan knows what God did to him through Nimrod, who it says was one of the Hagabor, more the mighty ones, or, or a Nephilim. It says he was a Hagabor, he was a mighty one on the earth. And we saw what he did, what he did. He was building this tower, he was building this thing, and he was doing something to become a god himself. And later, Nimrod was deified to Marduk, which became the god of Mars. And then we have Mars, we have all these different things, these deities for the planets. We have Venus, and we have all these different things. About the names of all the planets became uh, days of our, our, our calendar, and, and uh, months, and days, and it all started to get into, infiltrated the culture. So we had that, and God d destroyed their communications. He stopped it. So Satan knows that? that if Christians would agree on anything, they're unstoppable. Because God said, if we don't go down and stop them, there's nothing they, will, they won't be able to do. Okay, so the day of Pentecost, hmm. when the Spirit was poured out, then we were all in the unity of the faith. It was, it's the factor that together. keeps us all together is the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I say that to you because really if you look, division is what we're dealing to. with, not only in the body of Christ, but in our yeah. country. And everybody I mean, has their opinion. Everybody you. has their own way of doing things. And but see, the thing that is, is, is the power of, a, of human beings is fear. in their agreement in their unity. Jesus but said this. He said, listen, when you get, gather together and there's more than two of you, two or more actually, he said, I will be in the midst. And then in other places that he was quoted as saying, he said, if two or more agree as touching anything, I will do it. And he said, just agree and it will be done. Now, there is no um, explanation besides what that when he says it. That means that uh, Mark 9.23 comes into play here where he says, if you'll believe, nothing shall be impossible to you. Now, there's no, nothing after that that shows us that there's exceptions. Okay, so when I was in heaven, I had this, I had this uh, observation that I brought back with me that there is nothing impossible while we're on the earth. Okay, but how many people really talk about that? And and if people do, they're they're uh, in Christianity, they're labeled as extreme. And uh, people say, well, you know, well, look at what's happened. You know, look at look at this. What about this? You know, I believed, and this didn't happen. They start to give their opinion and their observation and their experience. So they use their experience to develop doctrine. And you can't do that. You got to stay with what the Scripture says. Now there are there are, there are a lot of things that I see, I've seen that I know. But I can't teach them because it's not clear in the scripture. So I know th I have to find something in the scripture that will root what I have experienced and what I've seen. So you cannot build doctrine on experience. So I say all this because we need to come into the unity of the faith. And when we become unified, there is nothing that can penetrate us. Who's going to separate us from the love of God? Nothing can separate us. Not angels, not demons, nothing.
nothing's going to she separate us from, from the love of God. So I have to say that because that's the war that's going on right now. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna discuss some things tonight. These things are to answer your questions, but see, do you really want to know the truth? Because the thing that was is I was asking questions to the Lord and when he told me, I don't there were some things that I was not really thinking that I was ready for, even though I thought I was. So do you, you know, it's just like a, uh, you want to go skydiving. And I wanted to go skydiving so bad. And I had built it up in my mind as being something that was going to be really fun and really exhilarating. And I watched films of it and I thought, this is really going to be fun. And so I went to class and I thought, well, you know, how hard can it be? You know, you just... You just uh, at a certain altitude on your on your altimeter that you have. It's such a big watch you, at fifty five hundred feet. You, they throw you out of the airplane at fourteen. Yeah, they throw you out. They throw you out at fourteen thousand feet, and then it, it, the magic number is fifty five hundred. So you watch this dial as you're falling, and when it goes past uh, past six, you know it's going down. So five and a half is coming. So at five and a half, all you do is you take this hand. You're looking at, at this, and you take this hand, and you just pull this silver handle that's really big. And and even a monkey could, could, could pull it. But it's amazing when you get up there, and you, you're sitting there in the airplane, and you're up at 14,000 feet, and, and, and um, you're, you're about to not be a passenger anymore. Then all of a sudden, the desire to skydive went away. <laughs> awesome. And I thought about, like, what it was like to just go to the yes. Wendy's drive-thru yeah. and have a burger and some a Biggie fry and dip it in. A, you know, and I just wanted... Normal's this, not so bad. Yeah, and then normal's not so bad. But what it is is we build up in our minds what we think something is. But then when we find out the reality of it, we, we totally want out. And see, that's what's going to happen tonight if you if you want me to answer your questions. Because do you really want to know? And, and I can hear you all yeah, yes, we do. That's why we ask, you know. But I'm telling you, um, you know, you you cannot resolve this by just answering the questions because what happens is is that it starts to tear at the fabric of what people believe, and if they are not believing the right thing for whatever reason, and I was misinformed, but once I was told the truth, I realized that it was tearing at the fabric of what my belief system was, which was wrong. So I I didn't I didn't value what was important until I found out what the Lord was telling me was important, which was not what I thought. So it's the same with skydiving. So I'm screaming like a little girl, you know, halfway down until I realized that I just need to remember the two things. Now, they put you through a class that's five hours long just to do two things. Call out 5,500 feet and pull a silver handle. You think it'd be easy. It is it is the hardest thing to do when you're going 180 miles an hour toward the earth, oh and gosh. you you know you're not on the airplane you took off with. You know, and, and this is the, this is the reality of some of the things that God might might not want to show you. He might not want you to know because He knows you can't handle it. Okay, but in this case. We are going to unmask Satan. We're going to unmask him. We're going to we're going to reveal. Now he he does not want that to happen. So he does not want you to know his mode of operation. The the way that he has power is his secrecy, his cloaking. That he's cloaked. Now what has happened is that these evil spirits and Satan they have 
put out disinformation in order to cloak themselves. So they, so just like the intelligence, uh, the intelligence mm, field, they, they can put yes, out disinformation yes. or they can put out huh. part, part truths in order to send you in another direction. But it's not an obviously wrong direction. It has some truth in it. But they take you off in a way so that eventually you're really far away from what the truth is. But it doesn't start out that way. Okay, so my question to you is, is you, you are about to, to hit a hornet's nest. You're about to, to see a hornet's nest get struck. Now, when you strike the hornet's nest, it's not over. It's just actually begun. Because if you're not ready for it, uh, you're, you're, you're going to uh, encounter the wrath of, of, of these evil spirits. Okay, in other words, like if you see a big nest of hornets, you got to be ready for what's going to happen next. But if you don't know what's going to happen next, then you think you're going to take out the hornet's nest and that's going to be the end of it. That is not the truth. That is that is picking a fight. The, the next step is you got to be ready. Are, are you mature enough to, and ready enough to handle what is about to happen? Because the, all of those hornets, they, you just hit their house. You hit their hotel. And and now they're revealed. They're, they're, they're exposed. And now they're going to all come out and you're going to have to have something to, to defend and to, uh, to, to, to destroy, the, just like Jesus did. He, did, he, he re- unmasked Satan, and he revealed him, and then he destroyed him. He destroyed the works of the devil. That's what he did. He came and destroyed the works of the devil. But what he did was he exposed them. Now, here's the thing. Satan didn't come in the obvious way at Jesus. He came at Jesus through the religious leaders. Through the, the main denomination of the country. Okay, so Satan doesn't come and always is obvious. And these evil spirits do not come in a way where you can figure out what's really going on. And unless you have spiritual eyes to understand. So I ask you, you know, if you, are you ready when you, when you want to do something, when you want to know something, encounter something? Do you really count the cost of the of the accountability of knowing that? Because once you know it, uh, you know you're going to be treated yeah, as a threat to the enemy, and and there there is no fear here. I mean, I'm not you know you know me. I'm not I'm not worried at all. I mean, there is no repercussion at all with 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 what I'm what I'm doing because I do this all the time. However, I have held back on certain things because people have to be ready for what's going to happen next because Satan wants to cause division. So I'm not going to tolerate any division. If I if I talk about these questions, you know, if if the comments get too too much off, you know, then we're going to block the comments. And if 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 it gets too bad, I'm going to take the video off. I mean, I'm just telling you, I I would rather uh, keep keep people in unity uh, to a point where we can we can agree on something. But my students have asked me to answer these questions, which I know a lot of things, but is it really right to tell these things? Is it really right to tell these things yet? So I'm going to leave that up to you, and I will just be led by the Spirit. But I'm, I just tell you right now, I'm not going to tell you everything I know tonight, because I will have to hear from God to know that we are mature saints, not babies in diapers and with bottles in our mouth, because babies are, are ready for, for some things. Now, Paul knew a lot of things, and he was not allowed to speak them. He knew a lot of things about warfare, but he, he, he spoke to the Ephesians, but he didn't speak very much uh, from, what, from what I was 
what my vantage point of what I saw, I knew that he had held back. I knew that a lot of people had held back. I know men of God, I've talked to them. They said, I'll never, I'll never tell this. I've had many people tell me that, not just a few, but, but uh, what we what we can talk about, we're going to talk about tonight. So we got a bunch of crazy friends here, and Rick and Mitzi, uh, thank you for coming. We, we got Rick and Mitzi here. They're, they're the sponsors, and they help us in our Houston meetings. And then um, we've got the pastoral staff here, too, you guys. And um, then, of course, Robert. And we're going to... We're going to allow the Spirit of God to minister to you. And what I'm going to reveal to you right now is a is kind of like a, a timeline. I'm going to bring Robert into this. And uh, Robert Robert has seen and understands a lot of these things. However, he, he's not seen many people go as far as as I've gone in conversations with him. But That's he, for sure. Yeah. But, but um, you know, someone, someone has to stand up and say some things because I'm telling you what what we believe sometimes may not be correct and I understand we're tearing at the f fabric of, of what people believe but if it's not true it's better probably to just do it do it at a certain point than let it go so far that Jesus said listen there's deception coming he said that it's so bad that even the very elect could be deceived. Now, what he's saying, he, what he's saying is because he added to that, if that Preachers. were even possible. But what he was saying in that was, is that something so diabolical was coming at the end, such a deception, that even those who were chosen as the very elect of God, who 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 uh, prophecy and prophets have prophesied about about Israel and about the end time events that even those people could be deceived if that were even possible he was trying to show that there was something that was that deceiving and um, you know that is why I'm, I'm saying these things tonight so we're going to get right into it now there's a lot of questions here and and we've had to whittle it down and I'm going to whittle it down even more because there's a lot of questions here that I don't know that I should answer right now because you know it's it's like I said you hit the hornet's nest and it's not over you just hit the hornet's nest now you've started a fight so I will be I will be as gracious as I can but I want you to be as gracious as you can too as well and honor each other and and don't uh, and and just walk in love because the the the, the bottom line is, is that revelation and knowledge is given to us so that we can be partakers of the divine nature now if you want to be a partaker of the divine nature peter said in second peter chapter one that we have precious promises that have been given to us so that through these promises we can be partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust okay so why was that said because when the, the Lord had to take Adam and Eve and take them out of the garden, it was because they had chosen, not God, they had chosen with their own free will to disobey a simple command. A command that was not restricting them like they thought. It was a command where God had made a choice that, that they could not handle knowing good and evil. So here's what I know. 
and this is what I do know, and I'm sure of it, is that God never meant for a human being to know evil. Period. Okay? That's the bottom line. If you can't agree with that, then then you're not going to be able to, to go with me and build from there. Because God himself is the only one. He told me this. Jesus told me this. He said that we are the only ones that can know good and evil and still choose good. Yeah. A human being was made in the image of God, which means he's, he's a replica. He's an image. He's not mm -hmm. the original. Mm -hmm. So... You have to get this in your mind. If you want me to talk about the Nephilim and the giants, uh, then you've got to follow me through this, or I'm not going to talk about it because you've got to establish these truths. The reason why the tree was in the garden was that that was God's tree. He put it there. He, Jesus told me that the tree was in the garden because man was so close to God that he would start to think he was God because of the fact that he was so much like him that god had to put a barrier to remind them that they were not god so he had to put one thing in the garden it was his tree it was his tithe it was his it was never man's he put it there and he ate from that tree in front of them every day he ate from that tree come down and he ate from that tree to show adam and eve that he was god and they were not. Why? Because man was made so much like God and lived forever and had dominion over everything. Well, after a while, you would, you would start to think that you were God, that you were equal with God. But see, an image will never be the original, ever. How about this Now, if, if you can all... No, I can't hear all 4,000 or, or, or 14,000 of you out there, but I believe we can go on now because this was why the problem started it started because god gave man free will because that is part of being in the image of god part of the image of god is that we were given the ability to choose now in order to make man in his image he had to give them the ability to choose however man like to himself cannot choose correctly so he eliminated the ability for man to know evil we were not made to know evil it is not even in the equation. Did you know that? There's no place in the equation to place that into it. Mathematically. Thought about that. Yeah, it's not even part of it. So it's not part of our DNA even. Even our blood, our DNA, everything about us, there is no place to put that in the original, uh, the original stock of, of Adam, the original that was made. It was never meant for a man and a woman to know evil. Okay, because they had eyes that saw and discerned between good and evil, the problem is, is because they weren't God, they could not, they could be tempted, they could be seduced where God cannot be. Because why? Because they're a, they're a copy, they're not the original. So there is this little, little barrier that God made between us, so that we, between him and, and man, so that we would always be submissive to him even though we were like him we would never dishonor him and mistreat the relationship by taking advantage of him but we had free will it became the biggest liability and god knew that so he had a conversation 
with, with Jesus, and they decided to do this before they made man. And I'm telling you the truth. Now, if you can, you know, you, you've got to see this. Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world, according to the book of Revelation. This was already planned before he made man. He knew that the liability would be if he made man, he would have to give them free will. He knew that they would be, they would, they would not do the correct thing. He knew that. So what he did is he made it possible for a redemption to happen. So Jesus agreed, if you make man, I will come back and buy him back. And that is the whole story of the gospel right there. Now, because of this, because of this, when this happened, God knew that part of the redemption process would be the fact that man became mere flesh, that they be, he became just a mere man, and he was losing his status as, the, as a son of God, not the son of God, but as a son of God, that because of the deterioration that was going to happen, and, and you can see this in just the length that people lived. They went from 930 years of Methuselah, 969, Adam 930. And we were talking about Seth, they lived 912. Okay, then it just starts to go Noah. Noah, and we start backing down to 600 years. And then we have uh, 180 years. And then before you know it, uh, we're at 120 years. And this happened at Genesis chapter 6. Now, the problem is, is, is that with this fall, the separation that happened was is that we actually were divided within ourselves. So we used to function just as one unit inside of ourselves. But Paul says now, Paul said this, he goes, there are people that oppose themselves within themselves. Well, what would that be? That would be your soul, your, 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 the psyche part of you, the psychology, the word psyche came from the, the, the Greek word, which is the soul. And there is a body. And there's a word in Greek for, for the body. There's a word for in Greek for the soul. And then there's a word for the spirit. And so a man, according to First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, was in three parts. So soul and spirit see, are separate. in the beginning with Adam That's and Eve, I saw I mean, that, there I was, that. That, was, that was not discernible. Okay, and I saw now that we're so complicated and we're so, uh, we're so intricately made, let's put it that way, that even now, it takes the sword of the spirit to divide between the soul and the spirit. That's how intricately made we are, okay? So this, the word of God, the spirit of God has to come in to even show us what's the spirit and what's the soul right now and, and, and that's why you're so complicated that's why you don't even understand yourself sometimes i mean you know this is this is why because we were never meant we were never made to function in a broken world we were never meant to function with a discrepancy or a disappointment or death we we have to deal with death we have to deal with the um, all these things these, never these things that happen and we wonder, like, what did we do to make this happen? Well, you might have not done anything. It's a broken world. You get sick. That's because you're in a broken world. You know, it's not always your fault. It's just that we're dealing with things that happened because Adam things. and Eve disobeyed God. And and the, the, you can see through the, the different chapters of Genesis as we see Adam and Eve get pushed out. We see Cain and Abel. We see the first 
murder. We see people lying and stealing. We, we see Jacob, you know, the way that he worked things, you know. He, he was, he, you know, and then we see the manipulation that happened. And then um, God has to wrestle with him and change his name because things need to develop to a place where God can deal with a person. Well, what happened was, is as it went on, the prophecy that God gave Adam and Eve was, is that the seed of the serpent, which I didn't know that the serpent had seed, was going to somehow come against the seed of the woman. Okay. And when God said that, it was like, well, what, what do you mean? You know, and, and all of a sudden we see Cain kill the firstborn, which was his brother Abel. Okay. So right away, Satan is going after the Messiah, the, the Deliverer, because God said that there will be a seed come through the woman that will crush the skull of the seed of the serpent. So, it's a big mystery, right? Okay, it's, it is a mystery until we get into the first couple chapters of Genesis, and then we start to see things are getting really messed up really fast. Okay, so we have the godly line that was through Adam and his sons. So we have the godly line, and we have a son named Seth. Now, if you look at these these men that lived, they lived a very long time. They all had children who had children who had children, and yet the father kept living for a long time. I mean, a long time. So every hundred years, it was just like a it was just like a few years, like like ten years, but it was hundreds of years would go by. And, and thousands of people are being born in these lineages going down. But see, that's the godly line of Seth. You got the you got you got Adam, and then you've got the godly line, and you've got their the sons. Okay, so they extend way out into Genesis chapter six, into Genesis seven, that and then you have Noah being a descendant of that godly line, and he was the only one left at that point that could be preserved all flesh had been contaminated and we can go through those scriptures but you know you know i can read these scriptures to you but it says that Noah was perfect in his generations him and his family but there was only eight people left on the earth that had not been corrupted in their flesh so the seed of the serpent had started to work into the seed of the woman but there was a messiah coming you have to remember this that this was planned okay so if you look god kept a pure stock through the ages and he did this through seth so there was a time where the sons of god were not allowed this godly line was not allowed to go into the daughters of men and this is the way i see it this is what this is what i know but see, most people don't understand that. And the angels I saw that left their abode, they came down and influenced. It says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And a conjunction, uh, separating what was about to be said. And the sons of God went into the daughters of men. They looked and they saw the, the daughters of men that they were attractive and they took as many as they chose. Okay, so we have the Nephilim, the fallen ones, coming down on the earth. And then you have them influencing 
the sons of God to do something that they were not supposed to do. So you have Nephilim. If you read the scripture correctly, you have Nephilim, you have sons of God, and you have daughters of men. They're three different uh, parties, three different entities, okay? You, you cannot not, you cannot jump and say that an angel can do what people say they do, because they cannot. They, we are like, when we go to heaven, we are like the angels, which are not given in marriage. When there is no marriage in heaven. Jesus said you'll be like the angels. Okay, so you won't be married. You'll be given in marriage. There's no reproduction because you're going to be just like the angels. Jesus has already said this. Okay, so how can you jump across a Grand Canyon and call it a step by saying that an angel can do this? So um, um, this is not something that I want to argue about. I'm just telling you that the angels that left their abode are chained now. Peter says they're chained right now. Okay, so they were incarcerated right now. They are not the demons. The demons are part of the hybrid race that God destroyed through the flood because he said all flesh is corrupted. He said all flesh. He said so he even destroyed the animals. He destroyed all wildlife. He repented that he had made man. And he said, my spirit cannot strive, or like Robert uh, uh, verified, he cannot indwell man any longer. So I'm going to limit how long they live because I can't take it anymore. Now, this language is actually the same language that he told Moses on the mountain. He said, I can't be among them anymore. He said, so me and you, Moses, we're fine, and I'm going to be with you. And Moses said, oh, no, if you're not going with us, we're not going. Okay, because Moses understood what happened in Genesis 6. When God starts talking like that, we're we're in trouble because he knows what's going to happen next. And that's what happened. Did you know he said, I'm going to destroy them and kill them, and I'm going to make a nation out of you. So he was going to, God was going to take Moses and do what he did with Noah. Are you all following me? Because what God is thinking is, I've got to succeed against Satan and preserve this godly line so that the Messiah can be born through a virgin. Okay, so that's what this is all about. It's it's not just talking about uh, dinosaurs and Nephilim and giants and UFOs. It's, it's about God's heart for man that he wants to preserve them and bring them back as a family. And it's all about love. It's all about God and his love and his mercy to redeem man and Satan is trying to put him in checkmate constantly. So all the bloodlines throughout the Bible prove that God won. Because when Jesus came in the flesh, it was through the lineage that was not infiltrated by a hybrid race or the tainted blood. So the genetics in the, that are the life is in the blood, they could not they could not say that Satan could not say because I know what he was going to do I was told Satan was going to appear before God after Jesus was crucified and say I got you because he's not fully human see his whole idea was to taint the lineage of Mary so that when Mary was impregnated she would not be fully human and then Satan could say he's not spotless that was the whole idea so I'm hearing you saying, okay, you can go on, because I, I'm believing that you all are listening to this. It's all about 
God buying back a family with a pure stock of Adam. The pure, the second Adam was Jesus Christ. But he had to come in a perfectly human body, 100% human, without any spot, no, no blemish, because he was the spotless lamb. That's why in the law, you couldn't sacrifice a, spot, a, a, a lamb that was blemished. And even when you went to Jerusalem, to, get, to, make, to give your sacrifice, they inspected your sacrifice to make sure that it was was uh, perfect. And if it wasn't, it wasn't acceptable. See, it was preparing people because this is what the serpent seed was trying to do: is infiltrate human blood, trying to get the the, the pure stock of, of a human being to be tainted, so that that when Jesus came, he would not be a perfect lamb. Okay, well. Satan lost. And see, when you talk, when I've heard demons say that, that the blood, it was the blood that defeated us. It was very, I've heard demons say, don't talk about the blood. It, it destroyed us. I've had demons as they're coming out say, don't, don't talk about the blood. It destroyed us. I've had demons say, don't mention the name of Jesus. You know, they, that's why it says that no one that confesses that confesses that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. That's, that's an evil spirit speaking to a person. So you can't say uh, prophecy comes forth that says Jesus be accursed. Paul's saying that because, and, and, and the, the apostles, John, and all of them are talking about the fact that an evil spirit will not acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh. That's the Antichrist spirit. Why will not an evil spirit acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh? Because that's what destroyed him. The evil spirits lost because the evil spirits are the spirits of the of the human beings that had interbred before the flood, and they were all destroyed. And they are not redeemable. So they hate the fact that Jesus came back in the flesh because he came back in perfect flesh with none of these evil spirits. Are, they, they didn't have that status, or they wouldn't have been destroyed. Okay, that being said... And I've hit the hornet's nest now, and this is this is the, the process. The, these this this whole earth was full of people. They were all destroyed, but they are not fully human, and they are not they are not fully what, what any, anything else. They were, they were a hybrid. Okay. However, angels can't inhabit people. They have a different type of body. Okay, but evil spirits are not angels the angels that left their abode are, are chained up so why are you having devil problems why do you have evil spirit problems why do people have evil spirits bothering them if they're all chained up it's the gen i'm glad you answered me i can hear you <laughs> because see you know this is very simple math and you can just use one hand it does you don't need a slide roll or an abacus or a calculator or your toes to count, you just use one hand, you can do this very simply. What the scripture reveals is Jesus said that hell was not made for man. It was made for the devil and his angels. That's what it says. What do you do with hybrids that are not angel, but they're not all fully human either? Yeah, you can. Well, the problem is, is that when Jesus started to minister, he was driving there. out demons. He was driving out evil spirits, which are not angels. These evil spirits are the spirits of the, the people that were disembodied. They lost their body. They were judged by the flood, but they have no redemption. They have no way of ever getting back. So 
what do you do with those? And where in the scripture does it say that they go to hell? You know, and I've just hit the hornet's nest again. But see, the thing that is, is why do you believe what you believe? If you look at the scripture, it's just as true when the scripture doesn't say something as it is when it does say something. And, you know, it's better to leave things alone if you don't know. But I'm telling you that we're dealing with demons. We're, de we're de dealing with ferocious devils that are predominantly wanting to kill, steal, and destroy. And they're, they, they are emphasizing corruption in sexual perversion in every way. Why are these, why are evil spirits promoting sexual perversion? Why, why are all, everything that's going on have to do with perversion? I'll tell you why, because this was part of that hybrid race that was formed because of, of sexual misconduct. Period. So, so Peter says that through these promises, we can escape, we can be a partaker of the divine nature. Well, what does that mean? That means we're children of God. What does that mean? Well, then we're sons of God, which means we took the place and we are redeemed back to the status that Adam and Eve had, which means we are sons of God. Now, this is what John chapter 1 verse 12 talks about. It says that we beheld and he came, okay? It says that those who loved him and adhered to what he said, he gave them the power to become sons of God. So we've been given the authority. That word there is the word for authority. That power is authority. We have been given back the authority that Adam and Eve had. Okay, now what does that mean? That means that now these evil spirits are subservient to the sons of God. Okay, so if that is the case, then everything matches with what Jesus said. You're going to trample on serpents and scorpions, and you're going to have power, authority over all the devil. Okay, so you're going to drive devils out. These, these spirits, evil spirits, they're unclean. So, here we go. We have this problem with flesh, and God solves it by having to preserve the bloodline. Now, as you go through history, he had to curb sin all the time. Why? Because as, as it goes on, there was always going to be another unseen realm working parallel against human beings that were alive in the flesh. So if you look at what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he is saying that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshy, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. But then he says, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. He said anything that exalts itself above the knowledge that God has already given us needs to be brought down. Okay, so he goes from what you think is spiritual warfare to saying that it has to do with our thought process. Any thought to the obedience of Christ. So he's showing that there is an influence of evil spirits around us, but their mode of operation is through the thought process because we have the authority on the earth because we're in the flesh. See, we're the human beings that are redeemable. 
So these evil spirits don't have a body. But so what they want is they want to get a body. They want to get the will of a human being to yield to them so that they can manifest because they can't manifest. Well, they have to start with a thought. They have to get a person to think something that's wrong. And if you don't pull it down, then it starts to exalt itself. And then you have people like there were in the Old Testament, like Nimrod, who just knew how to circumvent God. We have all these different things like the forbidden the forbidden inquiring of witches, inquiring of, of uh, and, and, and using the stars for guidance. These, these were ancient arts that these fallen ones taught men. And so God says you don't inquire of witches. You don't, you don't uh, use the stars for guidance. You don't let familiar spirits lead and guide your life. You, you have to submit to what God has called correct or right, and it's righteous. So God has established his laws to curb sin so that even today... We live by the perfect law of love. So we love God with all our hearts, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. See, that second part is two things. See, we love neighbors, but we love ourselves. See, it says love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we love ourselves, but we love our neighbor as ourselves. So in other words, we, we consider others even more important than ourselves. Okay, if we do that, Jesus said you fulfilled all the law. It's the law of love, right? Okay, what, what, what will shut down a devil? Love. Because love conquers all. And I saw this when I was in heaven. I saw that if you act in love towards someone, that it disarms the enemy that's working every single time. Because if you, if you love someone, they're, they're, they're not the they're not defensive anymore and the devil loses his grip on that person so you can love people and love conquers all and it really literally does and that's why paul stuck chapter 13 in in first corinthians between two chapters to talk about the gifts of the spirit because he said if you don't have love he said none of this stuff matters because why because the devil will beat us even if you're used to the gifts of the spirit Okay, so getting back to this, I want to bring Robert into this now. Um, we have so much that we could talk about, but I'm going to, um, I, I did all this so that I can um, pretty much uh, just stick with certain questions because I've answered a lot of questions. And, and this is, like I said, um, this is not something that I really open up uh, for a discussion because, you know, there's going to be 14 different opinions for everything. But what if people are asking me what I what I know and what I've seen and what I've seen in scripture from all my studies and uh, you know Robert knows this because he does this himself we, we find what's, what's in the Bible and it helps us to understand but there's still going to be missing pieces I mean I don't have a, the whole piece of the puzzle but Robert we, we, we agree on a lot of things and one of the things we agree on is that when, when, when the human beings fell they experienced what we would call the flesh and the carnal nature and we're, we're kind of trapped uh, in our bodies and you can see this in Romans chapter 7 where Paul wanted to do things but he couldn't do them and then the things he wanted to do he couldn't do and then the things that he didn't want to do he did and he goes wretched man that I am see he's he's talking about what happened to Adam and Eve once they fell and they were outside the garden they they were trapped in what we see here as flesh right. 
and the flesh uh, has power now over us that it didn't have it's because our eyes were open to evil and so we're we're always struggling with doing right where whereas normally we wouldn't have to do that. so the basic the basic uh theme for tonight is going to be what we have well how we deal with the fact that that in our fallen state we deal with the flesh but in our redeemed state we still have to deal with the flesh but we deal with it by the spirit and that's why Romans 8 says that if we live by the Spirit, we please God. But if we live by the flesh, we cannot please God. And in fact, it says that the flesh is hostile toward God. It actually works against God. And that's what we see in the manifestation of people that were in rebellion. And they did things that they were not supposed to do. And because they broke rules continually... It continued to corrupt flesh to where God had to curb the sin, and at one point, he just had to destroy the earth. And so, Robert, if you want to just uh, share from your heart anything you wanted to share right now, I would appreciate it. I, I feel like um, people need to focus not on just the giants and the Nephilim, but what was really going on yeah, here. And yeah. <laughs> Here's how I got involved in all this. <laughs> sitting over here on my left yeah uh, and then he's across from another guest that he yeah. had yeah. and so <clears throat> they're talking we're listening and then I don't know we were there for maybe a half hour 45 minutes maybe I don't know and then all of a sudden you start to talk to me about just nice conversation you know and then uh, we come back to the hotel I think it's a few days later and you ask me to come down to the lounge area <clears throat> and we, you wanted to discuss doing trips and that kind of thing. And here I have a man that has gone to heaven and talked to the Lord, and the Lord has revealed things to him, and I've got questions, and I think he's a pretty good guy to start asking some questions. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so, I don't know how we got off on this subject. You'll probably have to help. Yourself. Yeah, I had a question. I had a question about some of the sites that we weren't visiting in Israel that I was very interested in that were kind of off the grid. The Dolomites, I yeah. think, was one. Yeah. yeah, and the Golan Heights and, and yes. things about David yes. and the Goliath. And, and so then, so things have always bothered me. Um, getting back to Genesis, yeah. getting back to the lines, the, the lines of, of Cain, uh, Cain, for instance. Yeah. It always bugged me that when you go into the Bible and you read the line of Cain, it stops after seven generations. Interesting. And if you go through the line of Seth, it goes all the way to the flood, which is ten generations. Okay. But why does, why does Cain stop at seven generations? And then... I read in Jude chapter 14 and 15, it was also about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation, and Enoch is the seventh generation in the line of Seth. So he's lining up with Tubal Cain on the other side, the line of Cain, right. which is the last line. Yes. So it says, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in the ungodly way. And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. There's a lot of ungodly in there. Yeah, there yeah, is. Yeah. yeah. So, 
it appears anyway that there was this this extreme judgment that was laid out on this seventh generation from Adam, which would have been the line of Cain. But it doesn't stop there. Then it goes all the way to the flood area, Noah. And then I read in the Bible where it says, I can't indwell them anymore. I can't strive with them. I can't indwell them. What do you mean you can't? You're God. I, I'm, I, I'm not going to do that because he is flesh. That's what he says. That's what he says. Which is the that's key. The, that's the reason. That's okay. The key, yeah. So, what's going on here? God is going to wipe everything out mm-hmm. and keep just one family and start over with them. Mm-hmm. And then, as we go through the line, and we get to what you just talked about with Moses, he's talking about doing it again. And Moses knew what was above because <laughs> but, but Moses talks him out of it this time. Yeah, because but he still wasn't happy. He said, "Okay, well, I'm just going to wipe them all out and start with their their prodigy, their their sons and daughters which, after this." Which is what happened. Is yeah. what happened. Yeah. And then, uh, excuse me, back up here. <clears throat> and then you got after Noah. I, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Then after Noah, Noah has these three sons, of course. Right. Shem, Ham, Cain, and Japheth. Yeah. And Ham, it, it says multiple times, and Ham was the father of Canaan. Ham was the father of Canaan. Ham was the father of Canaan. Okay, I get it. There must be something going on here. And so Ham, <laughs> Ham does something to his father. Yes. Because it even says in the scripture that he knew what his son had done to him. Yes. It's not just that he looked at his nakedness. No, no. It says he knew what his son had done to him, and he said, I'm going to curse Ham. No. He doesn't even mess with Ham. He says, I'm cursing Canaan. Canaan. This was Noah now. Yeah. And Noah made sure that Canaan's line was not going to rule over the other lines. If I have it here, let me let me see if I can find it real yeah. quick. It says, so he said, this is Genesis 9. So he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the Shems and let Canaan be his servant. Now, when Israel came into the promised land, yeah. what Jeff. ended up happening? Well, all those ites were there waiting for All their ites were waiting there. And they ended, the ones that they didn't kill, it came about when the sons of Israel came, became strong. They put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not drive them out completely. Right. They, be, they did what, what Noah prophesied they were going to do, but he, it was a prophecy to make sure that they didn't take over. Right. But see, it was preemptive that Lucifer made sure that his offspring was there in the promised land waiting and they had strategically placed themselves all these all these ites all these yeah all these hybrids and the ites were the descendants of canaan i hope right. everybody understands yeah that. and so just so you know this is this is what we're showing you how it pops up again it ends up that they that they preemptively went to, to the land of canaan the promised land and stationed themselves there so that when joshua brought israel in they had to go up up the the, the whole way north Destroying city after city, taking them over and killing all the giants. And, and that they, was, and yeah. that was, that was the command of God. 
Yeah. They weren't doing it on their own. God told them, yeah. don't marry with them, don't intermingle with them, wipe them all out, right. take them out. Right. He was and you to... have to ask the question, yeah. what was going on? Why would he be so heavy-handed <laughs> that he just didn't want them around anymore? He was protecting the bloodline. And so that's when I came to you, and I said, I suspect blah, blah, blah. Now, I don't know how much you want to kick a hornet's nest here, but that's up to you. No, I, I think we're, we're done good enough. Let's, okay. let's just uh, continue on. So, so the, the feeling here is that when it says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be from the son, coming to the Son of Man, I think what would be helpful is to know what's going on now. If we're in... If we are close to the second coming of the Lord, right. if that is going on, then what is happening today that would parallel what would have been happening during the days of Noah that would have gotten God so upset? Mm-hmm. Because in Revelation 19, the Lord is going to come back again with an army right. and wreak judgment over the earth again. That's right. It's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get him to the point again that he's going to do the same thing that he's done back in the days of Noah. That's right. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're at a, a place where um, these evil spirits have, have uh, stayed hidden and they're cloaked in disinformation. So nobody understands what's going on because they don't understand that evil spirits, they actually are empowered by their, their secrecy, their, their cloak, so that we cannot always identify their mode of operation because we don't understand their origin, we don't understand the, the mentality and what is really going on. But these are disembodied spirits that have no expression unless they embody someone. But they, they are looking to usurp authority over a human being and rule over them and then use them as a guided missile. So they're, they're using a live human being to do their work so that, that, that and that's why I am so that's against exactly I, evil spirits uh, and why I, the minister that we have at Warrior Knows is about training warriors because I think, and I, I know this, when I was told about Warrior Knows, it was a long, long time ago. I was told everything years and years ago. And all this was made, and I waited years before uh, we have what we have today. Okay, but it was in the spirit of David. It was, it was the, it was, David was a warrior. He took, he was assigned. His sole assignment was to preserve the throne of the Messiah. And that's why Psalms 89 says that there will, he will never, uh, there will never not be a, a person sitting on the throne of David forever and ever, for, for every generation. And, but because he was assigned to preserve that throne, he had to go out and extinguish all of the hybrids, all the giants. So he trained 30 men to do what he did with Goliath. To, and it says they could hit within a hair's breadth, which is which is a very small margin of error. He, they could hit a target within a hair's breadth with a sling. So what David did on the day with Goliath when he slew him, it was not just a supernatural guided missile, that rock. Those five stones that he grabbed were not because he was going to miss. He, he didn't miss. Those five stones were the fact that there were four others that were part of the family of Goliath, including his father and his brothers, that are in the Bible. And David knew that they would probably come after him as soon as he killed Goliath. So he had five stones because there were four other 
uh, uh, giants that he figured were coming after him. This is the spirit of David. So, so the Lord told me to form warrior notes, to, to form a, the school and everything, to train up people like David did, to hit within a hair's breadth, just like he is. So those fighting men, they can do exactly what David could do. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus took 12 disciples and he said, how long am I going to be with you? you got to learn how to cast these devils out and heal the sick. So every time they would come to him and say, can you help us? He goes, how long will I be with you? Because he was wanting to replicate himself. So that's what Jesus, when he sent me back, he said, replicate me, Kevin, in other people so that they can do the work of the ministry. So that, that there will be many warriors.